Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Hey, Jen, guess what? What? Cue fake podcast music. So your coffee came out, huh? Because that is the woman that is about to get caffeinated or has recently been caffeinated. This this is my second cup of the day. Okay, okay. I'm about to head to my third. It's a brewing, but I have been up for hours. Uh, yep. yep, not me, no. No. Like 7 o'clock. I have been... Um, Thinking about murder, reading about murder. Right. It's been a murdering kind of morning. Huh? What's been going on since the last time we talked? Just more Pokemon. Although I have been um, looking at more murder articles. My next few articles aren't going to be all murder, but after that, we're going to hit some murder ones because I recently just looked at my list of saved articles and I was like, you either write about this murder. Or you get rid of the article. Like you either do something about it or you clean it out. We no longer leave things in limbo. We either do something about it or we get rid of it. That's it. I'm not playing games anymore. Oh, so this is like purging things in your life. Yeah, I am a purger. I think we've talked about you are too. We are not hoarders in any way. We are the people that are like, get the fuck rid of it kind of people. Oh, I know. And you know, I've been working so much. But I've looked around my house and I thought, oh, my God, I need to throw some stuff out. Yeah. Well, get it I did, out. at the beginning of quarantine, I did go through a little phase where I watched a lot of the TV show Hoarders. Oh, and I know. You know Does it, yeah. it keeps you it keeps you level. It, it keeps you like Make you it. want you watch it and you want to cl- you want to clean while you're watching. Yes. And, you know, I do have a degree in psychology that I've never actually used at work. I just have it. <laughs> but, you know, to me, that's a mental disorder, because usually when somebody is that bad, what happened was at some point they were like food insecure or they are financially insecure. And they feel like they have to keep these things, you know, in order to, because they're like, they have value. And so they feel like, you know, if they needed to, they could use these things that have value. So, so I guess I, I guess I can say that I, I have felt, you know, had financial troubles in my day as a yeah. single parent, but I obviously didn't have them to that extent because I still threw things out. Yeah. Well, not everybody responds the same, right? Because I don't either. And I was also broke several times in my life, especially in college and as a, you know, as in the, when I was a single, when I first like left my husband and became a single parent. Uh, yeah, I was broke, but obviously, you know, we respond differently than the people that hoard. But I was just like, I, yeah, like you have the opposite reaction, but because to me, it just gives me a lot of anxiety to have like a lot of clutter or to have stuff and not know exactly what it is or to be needing something and not being able to find it because there's just shit everywhere. Like you could ask your brother, I'll just start first. I'll start like if, if when things start to get too cluttered, I'm like, all right, you know, we start to, we need to get to it. And if we, you know, don't get to it or just do a shitty job, I'll just escalate until one day everything's like missing because I got <laughs> rid of it because I just escalate. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, um, New news on this front over here 
is the dog, Apollo, broke his tail. Well, oh. injured his tail, didn't break it. Oh, wow. Thank God, because this dog's tail is like a dangerous weapon. I know. It was so funny, so I got to tell everybody. My son says that the dog's tails hurt, so we take him to the vet. And the vet tells us he has something wrong with it, okay? But they, I can't pronounce it. I don't even remember what it was. Something okay. acute something. Okay. And so he starts going on that, you know, it has to do a lot of working dogs get this. You see this a lot in working dogs. And I'm like, yeah, this dog doesn't work. Yeah, no. Work uh -uh. napping, yeah. work at annoying you, no, work he like trying to trip you. I mean, what kind of work are you talking about? Because this dog doesn't do any kind of work. No, he does rearrange like his 80 different stuffed toys. You know what I mean? Yeah, he does. And he likes to move my shoes. That's that a big too. thing. That's he likes to take one know. of the shoes and hides it. <laughs> just to keep it interesting he leaves you yeah. one shoe it's not like he's being mean about it i mean come on <laughs> and so and, and so then he goes well you can they can get it if they wag their tail a lot i said he's always wagging his tail That's just true. it's always on the ready to smack you in the leg like he smacked me the other day near my ankle uh -huh. and literally bruised me oh, That's man. He hits. i mean it's a joke dang he's not playing so, games so he was, um, you know, kept semi-sedated for a couple days. And now he's back at it, you know. His tail, uh -huh. you can tell, is still not 100%. But he's wagging it. And I'm like, you're not supposed to wag your tail so much, dude. Oh, jeez. That's $118 right there. <laughs> oh, dang. So let's slow down the tail. Yeah. Oh. So what are you oh. talking about today? Uh, what am I talking about? The dismemberment of Ashley Young, Grand Rapids, in November of 2018. What are you talking about? Holy crap. I was going to talk about, um, because, like, I was feeling like there's not a lot of teamwork going on right now, that, not you know, that, uh, I want to talk about mutually benefit relationships, like, in animals and people. When we do something that we each benefits each group. It's a nice feel good thing. Oh, nice so I'll, how about if I go last? So you talk about the, somebody's being dismembered and then I'll talk about how owls, despite the fact they are beautiful, little floofer birdies are just filled with murder. Owls are filled with murder. Yeah. You know, they're carnivores. You know what I mean? They're not out there picking berries and shit. They're out there killing shit and eating it. And then puking up the little bones. <laughs> we used to, we used to actually have an owl in the tree, um, in our backyard. Well, it was in our neighbor's backyard. Wow! But then they could be in the tree, and then the owl went away. Oh no shit! Yeah, I'm like the I mean, owls would have taken care of your little squirrel issue. You know what I mean? Not to be mean to squirrels. Yeah, I will say that I do enjoy not hearing the hoots throughout the night. Oh, I do love that, though. See, I love all the sounds of outside. Your brother, not so much. Apparently, you not either. You're like, that's not our that's not our gig. The right. outside noises. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Ashley was age 33 when she went missing. November 29th. Okay. She was last. She was last seen at a local pub in the Grand Rapids area. Okay. 
Police interviewed over 100 people during the investigation, including her boyfriend, Jared Chance, and he was age 29. It was on December 2nd when Grand Rapids police were called to an apartment complex where a tenant investigating a strange smell found Ashley's mutilated body in a bag. And where was this apartment complex? Where? It was where Jared lived, her boyfriend. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. The police searched Jared's apartment and evidence in his apartment. You want to know what I was afraid of? Why I sounded terrified? I was like, are you going to say, like, next door to me? (laughs) Right? Right. No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You said it, like, so scary. I was like, oh, shit, I'm not going to like this answer. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Evidence in the apartment tying him to the murder was found blood, human um, tissue in his bathroom and his kitchen. So Jared was arrested December 2nd. As the investigation went on, the police found three things that Jared had bragged to people that he knew how to kill someone and get away with it. Okay. Why do they? <laughs> I, don't I just know. want to point out not to be the dickhead in this thing. But I just want to point out so many people that go to wait, that go to jail for murder thought they had the perfect plan to get away with murder. I just want to bring that up. And they brag about it like, yeah. I can get away with the murder. And it's like, no, actually, we're going to prove later you can't. <laughs> if someone, I, I have learned that if somebody would look at me and go, I could get away with the perfect murder, they have now murdered someone. I don't know who in the hell it is, but damn it, they've murdered someone. Yeah, we got to just figure out where they are now. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two, when searching Jared's parents' home, a saw was found under their couch. Well, because, you know, sometimes people like to store their saws under the couch. Right. Yeah. And and number three, (laughs) Jared's brother saw Jared days before Ashley went missing and... Jared was messing around with a 22 revolver. So he was like in the kitchen talking to him and he's like playing with his gun. Yeah, not a good sign. Jared was actually officially charged January 2nd with open murder, three counts of tampering with evidence. And then on top of that, Jared's parents were charged with accessory after the fact and lying to police. Is it because of the saw underneath the couch? Right. And there was some things found out um, where his father had known. Oh, really? And helped him move some boxes. So, and that's what I'm going to talk about right now is the the parent end of it. So during the investigation, it was found Jared's father, James Chance, knew what his son had done. Jared had told him what he had done. His father later uh, assisted Jared in moving boxes containing evidence, including body parts. And and his father, father is age 77, was found guilty of accessory. Uh. This article in the Detroit News that didn't get much information, but touched like a couple sentences on how I guess 
the father actually did take Jared to the police station, but no real, obviously nothing happened because they right? went home, right? So yeah. I'm not really sure what happened there, or, you know, why nothing was done, but obviously he didn't admit to it. And so the mother, Barbara, she pled no contest to accessory after the fact in perjury. Oh, wow. Judge, yeah, the judge said she played a, a real minor role and that it was felt that she did it because her husband told her to. Okay, and she is an elderly woman, right? I would assume so since her husband is 77. Right. I don't have her age, but I would assume so. Okay. So Jane, so James, the father, received thirty days in jail, and Barbara received forty-five days in jail. Oh wow! But she still got more days in jail. Okay. Right. <sighs> and he moved body parts. I'm really confused on that whole thing, but I don't get it either. Why did he get less? And yeah, he actually actively moved body parts. And then told us, they said that they believe that he, she did it because she was told to by her husband and still she gets more time. Wow. Right. So Jared was found guilty of second degree murder and multiple counts of mutilation and tampering with evidence. Yeah. On October 2019, he was sentenced to 100 to 200 years in prison. He wouldn't be up for parole till age 130. Wow. wow. And the only things that have not been um, solved here is where Ashley's head, hands, and feet are. Those body parts were never found. No shit. No shit. And he doesn't say where they are at all? No. No. Wow. Dude, Again, is, yeah. I'm on I'm on a streak with these boyfriends uh boyfriend killers. Yeah, boyfriends murdering their girlfriends. Oh my god, I know that's that's so like you do have is are you trying to tell us something? Do you need help? Blink no. once, blink once. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna talk about, you know, different like mutual benefit relationships where people help each other. Actually, all animals and some people's. So I get it from the Autobahn.org website, naturalgeographic.org, smithsonianmag.com, listverse.com, Wikipedia, Roaring Earth website, and the Toledo Blade. I love the Toledo Blade. Yeah, baby. I used it. So I just want to give you an example of what symbiosis is, or it's also called mutually benefit. But when I was a kid, they always did bees and flowers. Is that what they did for you guys? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, you know, flowers need their pollen spread around. Bees need to eat. So the bee flies from flower to flower. It eats the nectar. It gets the pollen on it. And when it goes to flower and flower, each flower gets a little bit of pollen. Bees eat. Flowers reproduce. Everybody's happy. It's mutually beneficial. So did you ever see... beautiful. Yeah. Did you ever see Finding Nemo? Yes, I did. Actually, Uh, the other day. Oh, really? Okay. So actually in that one, the movie starts out with Nemo and his dad and they live in an anemone. So that's that's a symbiotic relationship because clownfish like Nemo and his dad, they're sheltered and protected by the anemone because it has stinging cells in its arms. And then the anemone get to digest fish that try to eat the clownfish. They kill them and then eat them. And the anemones, (laughs) grossly enough, receive nutrients in the form of poop. 
from the clownfish. Yeah, uh, I know, I know, but hey, everybody's happy, and that one one group gets to poop, and the other <laughs> group gets nutrients. So, yeah. Now, most anemones are born in one spot, and they stay there during their entire lives. But some are mobile, and they will relocate. And when anemones want to move around, they can hitch rides on the backs of snails and hermit crabs. An anemone can receive a so it, the anemone gets the ride on the back of the crab, right? And it gets mm-hmm. to eat portions of the debris from the crab meals because that shit's all flying around in the water. And the anemone gets to eat little pieces. And the crab gets protection from predators like octopus because the anemone was like, I'll sting the fuck out of you if you bother my crab. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So everybody's happy. So there's these things called boxer crabs and they wear anemones on their claws like boxer gloves. I'm going to post a video on the website um, the day this podcast comes out to show you see this little crab who has two anemones, one on each claw, and they, they're called, sometimes they're called the pom-pom crab because they look like pom-poms, but they're anemones. And all of a sudden, they'll start to, like, wave their claws back and forth horizontally to, like, threaten somebody, like, I dare you, motherfucker. And he's, like, going back and forth. And if that doesn't work, all of a sudden, he'll, like, punch. <laughs> and that's why he's called the boxer <laughs> crab. And he's got his anemone claws, so not only is he punching you, but he is, like, stinging the shit out of you at the same time. And so, again, the anemone is like, yeah, I'll, I'll chill with you because it gets the scraps from the crab meal. And it also gets protection by the crab because the crab wants to protect his anemone because it's part of his fighting system. So everybody's happy in that thing. And mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you about one last crab, okay? Do you know what a sea urchin is? Yeah, I think they're so cute. Yeah, they're just like basically a ball of spikes, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this thing called an urchin crab, and it, for a reason right? Because it carries the sea urchin around on its back. And so if the sea urchin protects the crab urchin, it's called the urchin crab, and he one gets a ride and the other person gets protection. And that's when I realized crabs are the taxis of the underwater world. If you think about really? it, they're taking everybody everywhere. They're like, hey, protect me. I'll take you wherever you need to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so since Disney like hits it right, they also did Lion King where they paired a warthog and a mongoose with Timon and Pumbaa. Did you see Lion King? Yeah. I love that one. I always cry when Mufasa dies. I can't get past it. I watched it when I was in college with my roommate. We're in the theater. We're like two adults just crying. We're the only adults that don't have little kids with us. <laughs> We're crying when Mufasa <laughs> dies. And then we went to go see it again later for some reason in the theater. We're like, yeah, we'll see it again. And we're like, all right, don't cry this time. All right. We know he's going to die. Stay strong. Don't cry. And then he dies. We're both like, (laughs) I knew it was coming and I couldn't stop it. Like, (laughs) but out in the wild, when those two species do encounter each other, the warthog will lay down and then the mongoose gets on top and removes bugs and especially ticks from its skin. So the warthog gets cleaned and then the mongoose gets a meal. That's really easy. He didn't even have to catch because they eat bugs. So, Hmm. yeah. So Disney, Disney knows who's who to pair up. So I will say this next one I'm going to tell you about made me call my sister Cassie. Okay. 12,000 years ago, humans, we began to farm our food, right? We decided to stay in one place, start growing our own crops 12,000 years ago. 60 million years ago, ants started farming their food. So I had to call my sister because I was trying to figure out how much longer have ants been farming than we have? And so we have been, this, it took my, yeah, I had to have her show me, but 
we have been farming. Yeah, she's a math teacher. I need her. Yeah, so you needed her. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, you do the twelve thousand to six million off the top of your head. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just like, what? So it's point zero two percent of the time is how long that humans have been farming versus ants. So hmm. ants have been farming, yeah, and then we've been part farming for point zero two percent of the time that ants have been farming. Like ants have had their shit together so much longer than us. So what ants do is they gather vegetation from above ground and then they take it underground and they have these little fungus fungi chambers and that they grow that fungus for nutrition. So these ants have domesticated their own crops and there are crops that ants farm that are no longer found in nature. So it's just the ants keeping them alive, right? Yeah. There are 240 species of ants that make their own food that have crops. So the leafcutter ant is like the sexiest one that everybody talks about. And it's the most, <laughs> the most sexiest ant. And it's the most famous fungus farmer in the ant world. It's like the rock star. And they keep their fungus crops like in the cool and moist underground chambers. And they like rotate it so that their crops have um, special... Uh... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just lost my place. Oh, yeah. So they rotate the crops so that they um, they seed the beds, they monitor for plant disease, they rotate their waste at a disposal site so that it decays at an optimal rate. Ants. <laughs> wow. Do you remember, it's since I was with your brother that I got an ant farm for Christmas? I don't remember that. Dude, what, what happened to it? It was fucking fascinating. Well, they can only live so long, right? And that's I realized that I'm like, damn, I did this. This was not a good idea. But uh, you get this ant farm and these ants will make these little tunnels in their own thing. And when they die, you see them take everybody's body and move it to one section. And it becomes like the death chamber for the ants. But then I realized, oh, shit, it's not like they come with food in here and they don't have a queen. So they can't reproduce. I was like, oh, man, I I just put these ants in like prison to die. I felt terrible afterwards. Oh. <laughs> you know i'm a sensitive ass sally when that kind of stuff happens i thought ants ate their dead yeah no at least these didn't the ones that i had oh but here's I, something oh sorry go ahead i was gonna say i did kill an ant once outside and watch another ant pick it up oh really yeah no like i don't kill anything outside i don't kill anything inside the house except for ticks and mosquitoes i'm all about killing those you come after humans i come after you motherfucker i ain't having you <laughs> like, uh-uh. so when the oh so when it comes to like the leaf cutter ants the queen ant her daughter will leave to create her own colony and she takes a little pellet of fungus from her mom's garden and she uses it to seed her own crops and the whole time through her journey she holds that little pellet in her mouth there's a part that I'm not going to go into, but she also loads up herself with about 300 million sperm from different donors. But I'm not going to, oh. I'm not going to talk about that, but I did write in like my little note I wrote, I think it's a bee bang. I don't know what happens. <laughs> a little bee bang. <laughs> so this, <laughs> this is beneficial for the fungus because the fungus now lives in like different, you know, hives and it's still thriving when, that same crap out in the wild has already died out because the environment has changed. So that's benefit to the fungus. It keeps living. It's beneficial to the ants. They keep eating. So I wrote that the ants have a better rate of success than humans do when it comes to their crops. 
they actually farm better than we do. I mean, they've been doing yeah. it for longer. Yeah. So two right. beetles, and if you think about it, bees are farmers. They farm honey. That is true. All right. So I'm going to tell you this next one is there's this biologist named Harold Greeny, and he was doing work in Arizona in 2007, and he noticed that hummingbird nests were like clustered around these hawk nests in the area. And the hawks are these northern goshawks, and they um, also called, there's also some that are called Cooper's hawks. There's two different kinds. They don't hunt hummingbirds because they're just like too small of a meal. The hawks are about 190 times bigger than the hummingbird. So to give you an idea, it'd be like you or I hunting a house fly for nutrition, right? By the time we kill that fucking fly, we've wasted so much energy, you know, it's not worth eating the fly. Hmm. So they're like, okay, so... They're hanging out there so they know the hawk's not going to eat them. So that's probably why they're hanging out, right? But then they noticed that the hummingbirds that built their nest under the hawk nest had a higher success rate of raising their babies to adults. So they're like, oh, okay, well, now maybe they're protecting the hummingbirds from like snakes or squirrels or chipmunks because those are things that eat hummingbirds. But then no, they caught on camera nature's avian answer to the human douchebag. The douchebaggiest bird I know, a jay. We have blue jays in Michigan. Have you ever seen them? They are complete assholes. They're yeah, I so watch pretty that. and they're so fucking aggressive. Whenever you see them, they're either attacking somebody or people going after them in defense. <laughs> so I have a lot in my backyard. I've okay. never had them attack me, but not you, I other do, birds. Yeah. Oh, I do watch them at the bird feeder, and then another bird will fly, and they'll like dip down and trying to beak them yeah they are nature's ansel they're just assholes they're just <laughs> aggressive assholes so they realize oh shit what's happening is the hummingbirds are hunted and they're eaten by the jays right and the jays in that area are called mexican jays and the hummingbirds use the adage the enemy of my enemy is a friend of mine and so they build their nest under the hawk nest because hawks swoop down when they um, catch their prey and they eat Mexican jays. So the, <laughs> the hummingbirds are like, I'll just do it right here. And the hawks are like, yep. And if somebody comes by, we'll eat that motherfucker. And the jays are like, we're good. <laughs> Ta-da. Success. Everybody's happy. And I'm going to do my last one. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, so during the 1980s, there's this type of geese called dark-bellied brent geese and they noticed that the geese were building nests by the snowy owls and that's because snowy owls are really aggressive by nature and there was like a shit ton of lemmings around at that time and the the owls eat the lemmings so the geese were like they don't need us they have all these lemmings right and that's when you learn that owls are the gorgeous balls intended to murder people with feathers that's what they are but there's this blacked off um, uh, nature conservatory called Oak Openings. And that stretches from northern Ohio to the very south of Michigan. And in Oak Openings, there's like several unique species of owls and woodpeckers. And that includes this really large population of eastern screech owls that live in tree holes that are, they make into burrows that were created by the woodpeckers. So here woodpeckers go to a tree and they beat their face against the tree until it makes a hole, and then the owl lives there. And I know that you have it out for woodpeckers. I hate woodpeckers. I know, because a woodpecker tortured you, and I, I'm i sorry that it happened. Yeah, and then now I just feed them so they stay away from my house, and now 
now my my new what is that a nemesis yes nemesis is the red squirrel oh they're after um, you too now do you have to feed them too to keep them off of you or what's up no i don't know what you do to get rid of them are they trying to get in your house again yeah they their <sighs> red squirrels are supposed to be like the worst are and they, they are, they yeah. are. Yeah, they are. They're just horrible human or animals. They sit outside your house and plot shit like, okay, I think we're going to try to come in through the roof this week. <laughs> right. And then they wait. They like make noise knowing I'm going to come out. Then they, then you can't see them. All right. And then you go back in. And by the time you've gotten all the way upstairs, you hear them again. Oh, that is cold. That is some cruel animal shit torturing a human. I've been to oak openings. I used to live by there. Oh, did you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know that it is a wonderful nature preserve and it has unique bird species? It, it is a beautiful park. Nice. I want to go one time. Oh, you want to go to Ohio? You want to cross the border? Into, I, I used to go visit your grandma Ohio. and her house was in Mommy. And I used to go there before <laughs> she passed away. Yes, I willingly drove into Ohio for no other reason than to visit your grandma. all right so i will talk to you later jen all right bye all right bye contact us at anchor or michigan and other mayhem at gmail.com or on facebook to join the conversation listen to the podcast or correct us when necessary rate subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider bye-bye now